0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So in this part of the world today is known as Mothering Sunday and it's actually a church tradition. And it was created quite a long time ago and it was, the idea behind it was on this particular Sunday which it always was on the fourth Sunday of Lent which is why it changes every year, you were encouraged to go back to your mother church on that particular Sunday. And it was the church traditionally that you would have been baptised in or the church that you grew up in as a child. And then if you've moved away and gone to different places, you were encouraged to go back to your mother church. But even more than that, and this is the part of the tradition that I really like, is employers were encouraged to give their employees the day off. So particularly people who had household servants who would work on a Sunday, they were encouraged to give their employees the day off so that families could get together and go to church. So on a normal Sunday with different people working different shifts, the families might not always be able to be together, but on Mothering Sunday, it was encouraged for whole families to go to church together. And that I think is just lovely. Now, over in the States, in the early 1900s, there was a a lady called Anna Jarvis, whose mother had been an activist for various different things. And when her mother died, she um, had a Memorial Day, which she celebrated, and then went on to campaign for this day to become a a well-known holiday. And she said, everybody should celebrate their mothers because your mother is the one person in your life who has done more for you than anybody else. So our tradition today, we have kind of put these two traditions together and Mothering Sunday has very much become a day where we do honor mothers. And I think it's a, it's a, a really special time for us in the busyness of life when mothers um, do so much for us and we don't really realize what they do to just take some time out and um, spend some time with them. Now, it can be a very happy and joyful, joy-filled day for those of us who have children. It can also be a very challenging and painful day. There are people among us who have lost their mothers, and that's painful. There are people among us who have lost children, and that's painful. For me, personally, Mother's Day is actually quite a difficult day because my own mum is very far away. In the past 13 years, I haven't spent time with her that I would like to. And every year that goes by, I know that time is getting shorter. So I find Mother's Day difficult for that respect, but also I find being a mother really challenging. It's hard work. And I do you know one of my most used prayers is, God, please don't let me damage my kids. (laughs) Because I know that there are times when I'm busy and frustrated that I say things that I shouldn't. I know that I could always spend more time with my kids than I should, more quality time with them. And I find motherhood really difficult. But The word of encouragement that I want to bring to all of us today, and not just mothers, is that God has made a way for you and me to stand up to the challenges of life. God has a way for us in everything that he has called us to, the life that he's given us to live, God has a plan for us to be able to stand up to those challenges. Now, in our church, we have got A lot of new mums at the moment and I noticed there's some new mums to be as well and over the years I've been invited to various baby showers and I've often asked to share a word of advice with the new mums and that is one of the most difficult things that I've ever asked to do. What do you say to someone who is about to become a mum for the first time? Do you really want to talk about the reality of the challenges that they're about to face? Or do you just want to say, every, you know, it's, it's wonderful and it's joyful and it's such a blessing from the Lord? You know, I remember the day that I found out I was going to be a mum for the first time. And we'd planned having a baby. We really want, I was ready to be a mum, we were ready to be parents. But the day that I found out, I sat at my mom's dining room table, sobbing my heart out. Because the weight of the responsibility suddenly hit me. This is happening. There's no turning back. And that that same thing happened a second time, much further down in my pregnancy, when I'd had a baby shower, people had given me lots of clothes, and I had been told that I should put all the clothes in the washing machine and wash it in a very gentle soap for the baby and I did that and I I hung all these clothes up on the washing line and I sat there and I saw all these tiny little pieces of clothing and again it hit me, there is no going back, this is happening, I am about to become a mother and the responsibility, the weight of that responsibility was overwhelming and when I, when I come to give advice to new mums, I think often we, are, um, we just want to say enjoy every moment because it goes by so quickly. But the reality is not every moment is enjoyable. Yeah. It's not enjoyable when all three of your kids have chicken pox at the same time. It's not enjoyable when mum and dad have a sickness bug and children still have to be fed and cared for and taken to school. It's not enjoyable when you are walking around at two o'clock in the morning patting a colicky baby. Sometimes parenthood is just difficult. But not just parenthood, not just motherhood, there are so many things in our Christian lives that we go through that are challenging and difficult every single day that we face. Um, So at a recent baby shower, I just, you know, I asked God, "What, what can I say? That's not glib and cliche, but that's not really negative. Just give me a word and God gave me a scripture and I believe that it was as much for me as it was for the new mom. And for us today, if you're a mother, it's for you. If you're a father, it's for you. For a Christian, facing life's challenges. The scripture is for you. So it comes from the book of Second Peter, chapter 1. Um, starting at verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness to goodness knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind. He has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So this is... um, this book is written by the apostle that we know as Peter, Simon Peter, and in his first letter he, he, he says that this letter is written to Christians who have been scattered around the world. And I think that's really pertinent for us as a church because many of us have been scattered here from all different parts of the world. And many of us are, are raising families without the support network that we would have had had we remained back home. We are trying to be mums without our own mum around. And so this encouragement is for you. It's for everybody as a Christian, but particularly for those who have been scattered. Um, I want you to just to remember three words as we go through today. I want you to remember the word empowered, endowed, and effort. So they all begin with E to help you remember. Empowered endowed and effort. So the first one is empowered and in verse three it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So the first thing I want you to notice is that it is in the past tense. It says his divine power has given. And friend, when you and I come to Jesus and we say, I want you to be the Lord of my life, We are given His power, His strength, His ability to do everything that He has planned for us and everything that He has called us to do. It has been given to you. It's not something that's coming. It's not something that you have to work hard for. His power is yours and it's up to you to take it and use it. The second thing is that it is divine. So that word divine is the Greek word theos, which means God. So his divine power is God's power. God's strength, God's ability has been given to you for everything that pertains to life and to godliness. What is that? It is our Christian walk. Everything that God has called us to do as children of his, he has empowered us by His Holy Spirit, and it's not just a general. Um, he has given us power to live as Christians, or He has given us power to be mothers, or He has given us power to run a business. He has given you power for the specifics within each of those plans that He has made for you. He has given you the power to be the mother to the exact children that he gives you, with their personalities, with their challenges, with their characters, you have been empowered by God to mother those children. If he has called you to start a business, he has empowered you to deal with the employees that are under you. He has empowered you for the specifics of everything that he has called you to do. The second thing is endowed. So he's empowered. He has endowed us, the Bible says, by his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, the God's nature, the spiritual nature that he wants to uh, create in us, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, I tried to do a Google search to find out how many promises there are in the Bible and there are very few people who agree. Some people say there are about 1,200, 1,300 promises in the Bible. Other people say there are up to 8,000 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. And even if we go for the conservative figure of 1,200, that's several promises per day for an entire year. There's a lot of promises in the Bible, and we need to hang on to those, and we need to pray into those. Can we take the promises from the Bible for us? Yes. Um, Second Corinthians tells us no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Friend, if you're going through a challenging situation, you can look for a promise in the Bible that deals with that situation, and you can pray it into your own life. For children, there are so many promises in the Bible, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. All of your children will be taught of the Lord, great will be their peace. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, his offspring will be mighty in the land the righteous who walks with integrity. Blessed are his children. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you and all of your household. For us as parents and as mothers, there are promises, general promises in the Bible that we can hold on to for each of our children, whether they are unborn, babies, or in their 50th or 60th year. There are promises that we can hold onto and pray into for our children. But I want to encourage you today not just to look at the general promises that God has given us in his word, but to ask God for specific promises for your children, for your situation, for your business, whatever you are involved in. If you are facing a challenging situation, ask God to speak to you. And just um, as a very personal um, example, I want to share with you what God spoke to me for my children. And this isn't something we teach as doctrine, because it's a very personal word that God has given me, but it's a promise that I'm hanging on to, because I find when I come to pray for my children, I'm kind of floundering. There is so much that I want God to do in their lives, and I could just pray and pray and pray and I waver from one thing to the next and it's hard to hang on to something specific and as an aside um, there's a wonderful book called The Power of a Praying Parent by a lady called Stormy O'Martian and she obviously talks about the importance of praying for our children but what I really like about the book is at the back she goes through um different categories or areas that we should be looking at as parents and praying into and it's a reminder for us things that we might not think of that actually yes I need to be praying about this for my children and I would highly recommend it for um, any parents out there to to get a hold of that book and even if you don't pray the specific prayers that she that she gives you to pray into the areas that she talks about so um. I came to the Lord one day and I said, Do "You know, I, I want to know something of what Your plans are for my children, so that I can pray specifically into their future and what You have for them." And I asked God to give me a specific promise for each of my children, and this is what He gave me. He told me for Rebecca that she was going to be like Ruth, and just as Ruth followed Naomi, and she said. I am following you, your God will be my God, your people will be my people. God told me that Rebecca was going to be following God, that she was going to walk in his footsteps, that she was going to be everything that he called her to be, that she was going to commit her life to following him. What a wonderful promise to hold on to and to pray into. For Alex, now Alex is an August baby and throughout his schooling life he has always been the youngest in his class and until quite recently he's always been the shortest and I remember a couple of years ago him inviting some friends over for um, a birthday party And they all took their shoes off at the door. And some of them were almost a whole year older than Alex. And I remember looking at their shoes and I mean, I could have put one of Alex's shoes into one of his friend's shoes. You know, they were all much larger. But when I was praying for Alex, God told me that he was gonna be like Gideon. And in Judges chapter six and seven, you can read the story of Gideon, where God says, you are a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor. And even though you are the least in your clan you are going to do mighty things for me and God showed me for Alex that that he is going to be doing mighty things for the Lord just as Gideon uh, God used Gideon to um, defeat a massive army with just a few hundred men God will use Alex to do mighty works and then for Judah And Judah was very young when I was praying about this he was only about two years old and God showed me that Judah was going to be like Jehoshaphat and you can read Jehoshaphat's story in second chronicles 20 and the the thing that is so wonderful about Jehoshaphat is when when he realized that he was about to go into war the first thing he did was ask God what to do he went straight to God for advice and God gave him advice and, and said to him the battle is not yours You will not have to fight this battle. The Lord is fighting for you. And what Jehoshaphat did is he got his army together and he caused them to go out and praise and worship. And as they praised God and as they worshiped, the enemy fought each other. And the Israelites were given the victory because Jehoshaphat sought God and obeyed God. And God showed me that with Judah, he is gonna lead God's people in praise and victory. Now that's a very personal thing for me and my children but it is something for me to hang on to when I'm praying for them. I'm not just praying for their relationships and I'm not just praying for them to know and love God. I'm praying into their future and I want to encourage you today get the promises of God in his word, pray them into your life but then ask him for your specific situation. God what are you saying to me. And then you can pray into those two. So these promises in verse four tell us so that we can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world from evil desires. So we've been empowered, we've been endowed with his promises. Now this is the part that many of us probably won't like. It takes effort. It can be hard work, just being a Christian. Never mind everything else that comes on top of us while we are Christians. It takes effort. Verse 5 says, make every effort to add to your faith. Another um, translation says, make every effort to supplement your faith. Another translation says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. It's something that we have to work hard at. Why? Because in verse 8, it says to us, so that you will not be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord. We want to be effective, productive Christians. We want to be effective, productive parents, employers, colleagues. We want to be effective and productive in our life. If it's through our knowledge of him that we receive His power, if it's through our knowledge of Him that we are effective and productive, we need to do something about gaining that knowledge. We need to know more of Jesus and it's not enough friends for us just to come on a Sunday morning and hear one sermon a week, it's not enough we need to do more about increasing the knowledge that we have of Jesus. And that is why we do things like the maturity course, so that you can come and delve more deeply. That is why we do things like the alpha course, so that you can have a basic foundation of knowledge. That is why we do life groups, so that anything you don't understand what's spoken about from from the front, on those evenings you can delve into scripture, study the scripture, talk about it, wrestle with it, and increase your knowledge of him. We need to put in the effort so that we can be the best mother, father, Christian, employer, colleague, friend that God wants us to be. Now verses five to nine gives us a list of the virtues that we need to be adding to our faith in order to live this productive and effective life faith is the root the foundation the basis but it's not enough we need to add to it so verse five, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. What is goodness? Um, some translations call it virtue. It's a moral goodness. As Christians, we are called to a higher moral standard than the world around us. And we need to add that. In Philippians 4, where Paul um, tells us to put our thoughts on all things that are good and true and right and pure and noble and he says whatever is excellent, that's the same word that is used here, that moral goodness we need to add um, into our life And, and honestly I think it's becoming more and more difficult in today's world to really understand what that is. So we need to add goodness to our faith, to goodness we need to add knowledge. I've already talked about that. We need to be delving. It's a, it's a more precise, deeper knowledge than what we have just generally as Christians. We know something about God as Christians, but we need to look more deeply at what God is saying to us for specifics in our life. We need to add that to our faith. We need to add to our faith self-control, This is a mastery of our desires and our passions, of our sensual appetites. All of us have desires that we should not be allowing to master us. But we need to bring them into submission to the word of God and the will of God. We need to add self control to our faith. Godliness. What is godliness? It is a genuine reverence towards God that affect every aspect of our Christian life. So not just when we're here on a Sunday we worship and we praise and we smile at everybody and we're happy, every part of our lives. Now um, in the late 1800s a man by the name of uh, Char- is it Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps and it was basically a collection of sermons that he had preached about living a life of being like Jesus. And it was, they were very challenging sermons and he collected them into a book which you can still buy today. But in the early 1990s, his great grandson, Gareth Sheldon, wrote another book called, What Would Jesus Do? And it was kind of an updated version of his great grandfather's book. And what he did, was he, he, the book is about a group of Christians who get together and they make a decision to add godliness to their life by asking themselves a question every time they had to make a decision and the question was what would Jesus do? Now in the early 90s that was, it was quite a big thing and everybody was wearing little wristbands saying WWJD and you could buy a WWJD Bible and a Bible cover and it was just all over the place but I want to encourage you to get the book and read it because what he, he took very real life situations and he says that many of the situations that he talks about in the book were based on real people and what they went through and these people every decision they made in their business as teachers, as family members, everything that they did they asked the question first what would Jesus do? Now in order to know what Jesus did, you've got to be in the word, you've got to be studying, you've got to gain knowledge. And these people over the course of a year had their lives completely changed by this decision because they decided to add godliness to every aspect of their life. Some of them went through difficult times because of it. And we need to be looking at godliness and adding it to our faith. Right, so godliness. Next one is brotherly kindness. So brotherly kindness is just a general love that we have for our Christian brothers and sisters. It's just what we have together as a church, being kind to one another, helping one another out. Um, It's the the Greek word Philadelphia, which is brotherly, sisterly love, and that's important. But then the next one is love, and then we have to go deeper. We've got the brotherly kindness. As we get to know one another, we go deeper with the agape love that Jesus teaches us about, and I wanna just, I'll be finishing on this point, but just that there is a strange idea of love in the world at the moment. And if anybody spends any time on social media, you often see loads of posts about just love. It's all about love. God is love. Jesus loved. We just need to love. But we need to really understand what love is, we need to understand the deepness of the love that Jesus showed, because you know, yes, Jesus loved, Jesus had compassion, Jesus accepted everybody as they came to him, but he always challenged them to change. The woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus, all the people were standing around saying to Jesus, what are you going to do? He said, let him without sin cast the first stone, nobody did, they left. He said to her, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. That was the love that Jesus had. He saved her. He loved her, compassion on her, but he told her to change. Zacchaeus was known in his community as being a sinner. He was a tax collector. It was known that he stole money from people. Jesus picked him out of a crowd and said, I'm coming to your house for dinner. The people around him said doesn't he know who this man is he's a sinner Jesus loved Zacchaeus Jesus had compassion on Zacchaeus but Jesus presence in Zacchaeus house caused him to repent and change he gave back the money that he stole he became a different man friends we need to love as Jesus loved and we need to challenge one another not to stay the same but to become everything that Jesus has called us to do. All of this adds up to one thing, is that God has made it possible for you to live the life he's called you to. He has already empowered you. He has endowed you with his promises in his word. He will give you specific promises for your life, but we need to put in the effort. We need to add to our faith We need to increase our knowledge. Mothers, we can do this. (laughs) Christians, we can do this. Amen. Jesus, thank you so much for your encouragement, for your word, for the power, the divine power that comes only from you, that you have given us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for your very great and precious promises that we can hold on to, that we can pray into our lives that we know you will fulfill because the Bible says you do not lie. Challenge us, Lord, today to put in that effort. Show us what we need to do to be changing and adding to our faith godliness, knowledge, perseverance, brotherly kindness, and love. Teach us, Lord, what your love really means. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.